0: Happy 2020, you guys. It's a new decade, and I thought it would be fun to talk to a few friends about what life was like for them 10 years ago. How has their life changed? What did the year 2010 bring them? What has the last decade brought them, and what are they hoping for over the next 10 years? Hello and goodbye to February, my friends. January seemed like it lasted forever, and February, where did it go? It's Valentine's Day, and now we're into March. Well, today's Your Last Decade is with my friend, Liz Bohannon. You might remember Liz back in 2016. She was happy hour guest number 75. That feels so long ago, and it kind of was. Well, today we chat all about the fashion brand that she created 10 years ago. Well, actually, 11 years ago, you're gonna hear her talk about it, called Seiko Designs. We talk a lot about this in her episode, but today on the show, we talk a lot about what were some of the challenges the last 10 years have brought? What was that first year after starting a company like? And then what is she looking for in the next 10 years? Some of my favorite things about the show was when Liz talked about what kept her going, when everything seemed to be going wrong, when it didn't make sense, when they weren't getting paid. You're going to love what was her guiding light almost, what kept her in the fight. All right, you guys, here is my conversation with Liz Bohannon. Hey, Liz, welcome to the special edition of the Happy Hour called Your Last Decade. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Well, this has been such a fun project of ours, by the way, because the feedback I've heard the most is looking back has been so fun for people. And I am someone who likes to look back. Uh, I don't like to dwell on the past by any means, but I like to look back and learn and see and progress. And we over here at the happy hour, like we have to talk to Liz because a lot has happened in the last 10 years of your life.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. And I actually don't look back that much. So I'm really grateful for the opportunity to do this. good. And so go back through the memory archives. And it's one of my favorite parts of um, writing a book was like, it's crazy how once you open up one door, that has been shut for a really long time in your memory, how it can kind of like trigger other memories. And I don't know, it's just it's fun. So I'm grateful for the opportunity to get to reflect a little bit because I actually don't do enough of that.
0: No, well, good. Well, and speaking of your book, Beginner's Pluck, which came out October 1st, of uh, 2019. Uh, congrats. Thank you.
1: Thanks so much. That was a wild ride. I mean, you're I like the things that I didn't think I would be doing in, <laughs> in the last 10 years.
0: Well, you're six months on the other side of it. How do you feel now?
1: I have never done anything that I'm like, I am so glad I did that. And the idea, it was just so much though. Like, it, I mean, you know this, it's just like, it is such a process. But, and it was such hard work, so much mental, emotional, intellectual labor that goes into it. But um, I just, every time I see it, I just, you know, kind of catch glimpses of it, whether it's on my bookshelf or at the office. I just feel really proud of it and really thankful for the experience. And I just continue to be blown away. I'm sure you get this, where it's just like when people, are so generous to reach out and to share their experience and to share how and why it touched them. And it's incredibly rewarding. And I feel really
0: grateful. Well, you should feel really grateful. And you did such a great job with that work. And so a lot of it is some of the things we're going to talk about today, which is fun and exciting, um, because you talk a lot about the story of Seiko in your book. And I want you to take everyone that's listening back to th- 2010. Now, if my memory serves me right, in 2010, you had already traveled to Uganda and began the process of starting Seiko. Am I right? Yes. Okay. Good. Good. You're so good. You're so
1: good. You knew the exact launch date. You knew (laughs) very impressed with your chronology.
0: Do a little bit of research before you get on the phone. (laughs)
1: Um, Yeah. And I'm actually really grateful when you, when you shared the concept with me and I was like, okay, 10 years back, I was like, well, Seiko's about 10 years old. And then I started doing it and I was like, no, that puts me about a year in Mm -hmm. to having traveled to Uganda, having come up with the concept. And I'm actually really grateful to start there because I tell the very beginning story more. And I think that, um, it's easier to glamorize or to, for there to be some nostalgia about the like very, very early days. And when I came up with the concept and Mm -hmm. for those of you who don't know, you know, I bought a one-way plane ticket to Uganda and I showed up and I met some amazing women and we started, you know, I made these kind of crappy at the time sandals and made this really epic promise that was like, Hey, okay if you promise to make these sandals for the next nine months, because there's a nine month gap between high school and university. um, And that was the problem that we were trying to solve is basically this kind of gap for uh, women who come from low income backgrounds, but are really academically gifted this gap between high school and college where a lot of them end up moving back home and getting married and not continuing on to university, even though they want to, and even though they're academically more than qualified. So the, the challenge that we exist to solve is like, bridging this gap, right? So, yeah. so that was 11 years ago. But if we go to 10 years ago, I'm like, I've made the promise. I said, listen, yeah. <laughs> promise that you will go to college. And I'm in the midst of then being on the other side of going like, oh, crap.
0: Like, oh my gosh. Okay. Okay. So let's go back to 2010 because you set it up so beautifully and guys get our book and read it. It's, it's just a fabulous story as well. And you've been on the happy hour before. I did not do my research on that to figure out what guest you were, but it was a long time ago. Um, but I was you know, t- leave like, with
1: my first son. So I do remember that. So that was over three and a half years ago.
0: Crazy, crazy, crazy. Okay. Let's go back to 2010. Uh, you have started this new thing. At the time, I want to know, does this feel like it's a hobby or do you feel like it's going to last a year or do you think this is the rest of my life? Somewhere in between there. Um, So at this
1: point in 2010, we had just sold enough sandals, probably by the end of 2009, we had sold enough sandals that we were able to send Mary, Mercy, and Rebecca to university. So those were our first three wins. The women that I legit sat down with underneath the mango tree and was like, here's the deal. You make these sandals, promise you're going to go to college, and then move back home to the U.S. and tried to start you know, selling these sandals out of the back of my car. So, oh my gosh, I didn't actually do the math. This is really fun. Okay, so in the beginning of 2010, then... We just sold enough to send those three women to university. And this is the point in the story where we're like, okay, now what's next? We had fulfilled that first epic promise. But then we were at this really interesting place where we were like, it worked. What do we do? Do Now we, what? We call it a day and say like, that was like a really fun post-college adventure. You know, like yeah. we enabled three women to go to university and now I need to go get a job. <laughs> and like, you know, by this point, by the way, I was... Six years out from ever being able to pay, take a paycheck from Seiko. So like Mm -hmm. definitely wasn't making money in 2000, in 2010, my husband had a full-time job and his full-time job was, he was a project manager, at a little tech company, and he was making money, but not very much. So we were living off of his very entry-level salary. So it already felt a little scary and a little stretched, you know, because I wasn't making any income. And then that's when we were like, Oh, let's make it even more intense. Maybe Ben should quit his full-time job. Oh my (laughs) God. Maybe the one source of income that we have, we should get rid of. And But it really felt like it was a crossroads. So your question about hobby or life or what is this is really interesting because we were asking ourselves that exact question right in this moment. We were like, okay, yeah. it worked the first time. And we have two options. We can call it a day and say, that was fun. Or we can really dive in and say, we're doing something really special. The product is resonating people with people. The story is resonating with people. It's actually making an impact let's go all in and it and it was really the beginning of 2010 where we were like mm-hmm. Let's go all in. We were making no money. We were continuing to lose money as, you know, a lot of businesses do in the early days. We were spending a lot of money and it's a long cash flow cycle to actually get that money back. And so we knew we couldn't hire anybody unless we could go out and raise capital. And we knew no one would give us money. I mean, we couldn't get bank financing. We couldn't get, I mean, it was just like, okay, you know, two like 20 something year olds are trying to start a manufacturing company in a developing economy. Like, yeah, right. We can't have our yeah. money. Uh-huh. And Ben happens to have a skill set that is basically the exact opposite of mine. And he, at the same time, you know, he had been working at this tech company and was learning a ton and was really enjoying business, but really had this desire of like, I want to use my, my love of business. I want it to do something in the world that I feel really proud of. And that is making an impact, um, that I can really stand behind. And, and, and so we were like, well, you have the opposite skill set, you have this, basically you want to use business to make a difference in the world. Like, should we just do this together? We spent a lot of time talking to other couples specifically that were married Mm -hmm. that had marriages that we looked at and were like, that's the type of marriage that we want to have 10 years, 20 years, 30 years from now. Because when we first started telling people that as newlyweds We wanted to, you know, run this company together. We got a lot of um, pushback and from people being like, that's not wise. (laughs) Like you're going to kill each other. Like, don't do that. And we really, we really wanted to, you know, heed the wisdom, but then also carve our own path. And so the process that we took was just saying, okay, let's identify four or five couples. We love their marriage. We love their partnership and just go lay out all of our cards and say, are we dumb? Should we do it? <laughs> like, what do mm-hmm. you think? And actually get feedback. Um, and we came to that end of that process being like, we want to give it a try. And we don't know. And we know it's going to be challenging, but we think the ways in which it's going to be challenging are the ways in which we want to be challenged. And so it was right around this time that Ben That's quit his so full time job. We lost our health insurance. Um, we sold everything that we owned because we had no money, um, to finance this like trip that we wanted to go on to basically like launch the brand. So we sold everything that we owned, including a bunch of the wedding presents that we had just gotten like the year <laughs> before. Cause at this point we've only been married for like nine months. Six-
0: so much transition
1: Liz. Uh, yeah, it was a lot. And then we, um, bought a Honda element and lived out of our car for the next nine months. <laughs> So literally 10 years ago, I was living out of my car. I did not I have, have so an address. so
0: many questions about this. Okay. So the first one is like, like we hear stories like this and of course you're 10 years in. And so we're like, bravo, bravo, way to go. You guys followed your dreams. You listened to your heart look at this great thing you've done. But it could not have felt like that in that moment. No! You had to have felt like this is either going... Did you think to yourself, this will be the best thing ever the worst? Or did you think this is going to be okay or the worst? Like where where were you after you guys made that decision?
1: I honestly think I was like, this is going to be the best thing ever or it's going to be a great tale of epic failure that hopefully (laughs) will at least be fun to share. I do remember having that perspective of... Someone that I really loved was kind of lecturing me and telling me why it was a terrible idea and, you know, opportunity costs and 401ks and, you know, all of this stuff. And I just remember thinking, like, even if this fails, literally what I will learn from this process, and I mean everything from about how to run a business, I'm like, I think running and failing at a business is probably more valuable than an MBA, Mm-hmm. Even if you don't yeah. succeed, what, what I'm going to learn out of this is going to be monumental. And then also from a character perspective, being like, I just can't envision coming out on the other side of this and not being more of the person that I want to be, even if oh, it fails. I love that. Um, and I think that that was what enabled us to have the like to say, like, let's do it. Like, even if it fails, we're going to come out on the other side. And, you know, I think that, I think honestly, our marriage was the thing that felt the riskiest that it's like, Mm -hmm. everything else kind of felt like if the business fails, we will have learned from it. You know, if we fail as entrepreneurs, we we will learn from it, but let's make sure that we don't damage our relationship in a way that I'm laughing, but that's real, you know? yeah. Um, And so that was the only one that actually did really kind of feel scary. And I think that that's frankly why that was the only one that we put Out to have other people speak into it of just like, help us, where are our blind spots? Are we being wise in this? Because that was the one that felt the most like, oh, we could do something that we don't want to do here. Um, And I would say throughout the process, it's probably the one that we've been the most adamant about protecting. Like as long as we protect our relationship, everything else we're going to learn from and everything else we're going to come back from. And I, I do say that. And the caveat is that this story sits on a giant mountain privilege right like i joke and say that we lived out of our car we did Mm -hmm. we we literally lived off of five hundred dollars a month for a Mm -hmm. year Um, we didn't have health insurance. Like we slept in parking lots. All of that is the, you know, the subtext that you might not know is that like, I knew that we were never going to be in a place where we were like legitimately going to be homeless. You know, we have enough of like a social support network and we're educated and there's things that we're like, okay, let's just put this into perspective. Like if if everything goes wrong, we're still going to be okay. And in, in recognizing that. And I think, seeing that like, that's not the case for a lot of people, like for a lot of people living out of your car, isn't an optional thing. Like, yeah. and so for us, it, I don't know, in some ways it was this recognition that it's like, it is a privilege that we even get to do that and take that risk. So how do we push ourselves one step beyond what we're comfortable doing and do that with the hope that, uh, we get to make the world a little bit better, not just for ourselves, but for other people too.
0: I think that is so important that you mentioned that as well. And I would imagine that, that was. You know, kind of in your mind of like you had this, we're going to live out of our car, we're not going to have traditional jobs, we're going to, you know, live all this and you had the social support like social network, like you said, but you also are not trying to just change your world, you've got women on the other side of the world that are in a lot of ways dependent on you for their future. You have promised them an education. And so I would imagine that there was some of that that was spurring you on more than just if you and Ben were trying to create this you know, new tech company here in America or whatever. So that had to have helped as well. Oh my gosh.
1: I don't know. Had I not made that promise... Seiko wouldn't exist. Mm. If Seiko wasn't, if I didn't just deeply believe in the core of my belly in these women and like, hey, if you want to see the world become a better place, like we have got to be creating pathways for women like these specific women to be leaders and to make change and to, um, use their voice to, you know, to, to create a brighter future, knowing that like, I don't have the capacity to do that because that's not my experience. That's not my world, but like these women do. And I just deeply believe that so many of the things (laughs) that are wrong in the world will be solved by, by women like this, actually having the opportunity to get an education, to become a leader in their community, to become change makers. It was I mean, and we joke, and I feel like ten years, you know, later the kind of you can kind of really let nostalgia do its way with your story. But there are I mean, like there were some for real dark times during those first few years of just like Okay,
0: like what? Tell me what there are many paths to finding your family story. Whichever way you choose, it's easy to get started with ancestry. An ancestry DNA test tells you where your ancestors are from and Ancestry's billions of records and millions of family trees let you discover their personal stories. You could find a famous relative or perhaps a photo of your great grandmother as a little girl. Researching your history is a fun activity for the whole family, and the stories you learn about your shared past can bring you closer together. Ancestry DNA can reveal ethnic origins and provide historical details that bring unique family stories to life. Ancestry DNA doesn't just tell you which countries you're from, but also can pinpoint the specific regions within them, providing insightful geographic detail about your history. Trace the paths of your recent ancestors and learn how and why your family moved from place to place around the world. My mom is tracing our ancestors right now and it is such a great experience. No other DNA test delivers such a unique interactive experience as Ancestry. Start exploring your family story today. Head to Ancestry.com slash happy hour to get your Ancestry DNA kit and start your free trial. That's Ancestry.com slash happy hour. I believe in having clean options. I support companies who innovate products that break the norm and help clean up my daily routine. That's why I love Native for my deodorant needs. In fact, I love it so much, I just gifted my mom with a Native deodorant. Native is made with ingredients that you've actually heard of, like coconut oil, shea butter, and tapioca starch. They never use things like aluminum, parabens, sulfates, or talc. It's also vegan and never tested on animals. Native just released plastic-free deodorant made from 100% paperboard and shipped in a plastic-free bag. Switching to an aluminum-free deodorant doesn't mean you have to sacrifice on odor protection. Native will keep you smelling and feeling fresh all day long. Native comes in over 10 cents like coconut and vanilla and lavender and rose, plus rotating seasonals like the Pumpkin Spice Latte Collection. My favorite scent right now out of all of them is the coconut and vanilla. I have loved it this summer. I'm thinking about trying lavender and rose next. Maybe even a pumpkin spice latte deodorant. Native is risk-free to try with free shipping within the U.S. and free 30-day returns and exchanges. Guys, do what I did and make the switch to Native today by going to D-O, That's D-E-O, dot com slash Jamie Ivy. Or use the promo code Jamie Ivey, J A M I E I V E Y, at checkout and get 20% off your first order. That's nativedeo.com slash Jamie Ivy, Or use my name as a promo code Jamie Ivy at checkout for 20% off your first order.
1: I mean, the finances was, I mean, literally two weeks after Ben quit his full-time job and we lost Mm -hmm. health insurance, uh, we could not afford to be on private health insurance. Like we were literally, like I said, making $0. The reason that we lived off of $500 a month is because we literally were like, what are we going to do? We had, I don't know, several thousand dollars in savings and that was it. And we were just like (laughs) trusting that something was going to work out. And there was a couple that we honestly did not even know that well that were like, listen, and here's the thing that I want people to know. They were not a wealthy couple. And this is why this is so challenging and inspiring to me. They were like, we love what you and Ben are doing. We love your vision for the world and for you know how you're trying to create opportunity for these women. We want to support you. Give us your bank account number. Literally no questions asked. We're going to deposit $500 into your bank account um, until you tell us not to. And we lived off of that $500 because, like I said, we didn't make money for I, don't, I mean it was honestly probably I don't even know how many years and 2 weeks after we lost our health insurance we were living off of this $500 a month I got really sick and at the time the doctors like legitimately used the word leukemia and we're like <laughs> your white I don't even know what it was your white blood cell count everything was like bananas they didn't know what was going on for probably five days we thought I had le- leukemia we didn't have health insurance and we were like we're literally going to be medically bankrupt two weeks yep. after trying to do this turns out it was uh, dormant malaria and it had just mm. kicked in and blah 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 blah, yeah. blah which sucks but not as much yeah. as leukemia does Exactly. Um, if you have you know access to the medicine to fix it um, but that was like I mean just not having anything to feel like you could stand on there was probably for sure some ego involved in it of like before you succeed you know, it's like my friends were getting jobs and they were like Mm. getting promoted and they were going on work trips where they had company cards. And like, it's fun now to say that we lived out of our car, but I would be lying if at the time it didn't feel like I was disappointing people, like I was wasting my degree, like I was aimless, like I, you know... Had this like pipe dream that obviously wasn't going to come, and everybody was kind of like passing me up. I think was probably mm-hmm. a feeling that I had during that time. Um, definitely moments of like, <laughs> I mean, it's hard to feel great about your life when you're waking up in a McDonald's parking lot, you know? <laughs> and you're like, I'm legitimately waiting outside the door for McDonald's to open so I can go brush my teeth. That um, it's just like there's parts of it that are fun, and then there's parts of it that are that are really not. The point being. Um, I would have given up. Like if I wouldn't have made that promise and I, in that promise that I really did actually think mattered and was going to benefit, not just myself, but hopefully others that I thought were incredibly deserving of that. I don't think I could have done it. And there's other people, maybe they're just more true entrepreneurs that it's like, I just have a vision for this product that I want to see in the <laughs> world. But man, it was the stress level of being an entrepreneur. I don't know that you can overstate it. I mean, times where it's just like literally we emptied our savings, our our entire life savings to like cover a shipment that went rogue because our like retailers were like, Canceling our orders and nights where it's like literally before you're getting ready to do payroll, and you're like, we don't. Mm. Like our cash flow is so tight that we don't know how we're going to pay payroll. We're definitely not going to pay ourselves. But then you have to show up at the office and like be like, here's where we're going, and here's what we're going to do, and right. like, you know, it is everything's trust. good, everything's good, and we're, you know, and like, um, and oh my gosh, the 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 stress level is so enormous that for me, waking up every day and saying, but it matters but it matters, Mm. but it matters, but you made a promise and it matters, I think is what kept me going.
0: Well, I have a question because after you had had the three ladies that you said, okay, awesome. We fulfilled the orders. You're graduating. I mean, you're going to get to go to university now and you could have stopped there and you didn't. And so throughout the next couple of years, did you ever, when the times got hard, did you ever think we've done enough? Like this is too hard. We've done enough. We can pat ourselves on the back, whatever that might feel like from a privileged standpoint to say we did something for, for, you know, these women. Did you ever feel that way?
1: Probably? Yes. Like, I think I would be unaware to think that there weren't moments where I was like, I think I would be lying if there weren't moments where in my head, I just said, this is too much. It's too much. Mm -hmm. And like in panic of just like, I can't, it's too much. And I think that there's a particular type of when you choose a specific way of life and then it becomes too much, um, I have trouble affording myself any grace in that, which mm. makes it even harder because my story can go, I can feel so overwhelmed and I can go, this is too much. And then my my very nasty, ungraceful voice says to me like, well, you're an idiot. You chose this. This is your bed. Now lie in it. Nobody mm. feels sorry for you. Like it's very yeah. different than like if something happens to you, right? You know, yeah. you get cancer and you get hit by a car something awful happens. Like right. somebody did something to you. There's kind of this sense where it's like, oh, but you did this to yourself. You made these choices. If you made these choices. No one feels sorry for you. It can be a lot harder, I think, to raise your hand and ask for help when it feels like, well, everybody else chose a like nice stable path and they're not yeah. in a position of need because they did the like nice you know, logical, independent next step. And now they don't need anybody to help them out. Now, what I've come to learn over the last 10 years is that like the greatest joy of my life is saying yes to things and then needing people to, <laughs> to step into the story yeah, with you, with me. And that it's just mm-hmm. like, it's not like, oh, let me invite you to my party and like pat you on, you know, like as a nice gesture. It's like, no, I, <laughs> I have this really big vision And in order to accomplish it. I need you to be a part of it. And that level of just camaraderie and gratefulness and gratitude and co-creation, I have come to learn on this side is like, that is literally the good stuff of life please do not be so afraid that you miss out on it. I have a, I have a whole chapter in the book that's about like, put yourself in positions where you have to ask for help, like dream the dream that's impossible to do by yourself. Take the risk. That's going to require you to make the phone call because that is where beauty and relationship and commitment and co-creation is actually found. And if we spend our entire lives trying to just look like we have it all together and be super independent, You may do that. You may be able to pay all your bills and you may be able to, you know, do whatever, but it's like, it's going to be such a sad life (laughs) and it's going to be so lonely. And there's not going to be this energy and this collaboration and this like codependency that I've come to believe is really beautiful. But I would be lying if I said there weren't moments in the story where, yes, I was like, I'm done. I'm waving the the white flag It's too much. And I think it's that, that kind of meta promise of like, but are you doing work? Like I, I get to wake up every morning like it's so hard, but like, I really believe in what we're doing and I believe that it like matters and it's remarkable what that does to the human yeah. spirit and like what that, allowed, the, the depth that you are allowed, that you can tap into
0: in a new way when you have that. Well, I appreciate your honesty about that because it could be really easy, you know, on 10 years on the other side to say, no, this has been hard, but it's always been great. And we've always had our eye on the prize. Uh, But to really, really be vulnerable and say, you know, there's been times that this has been super, super difficult. I love what you learned about collaboration. Um, And I think that the only way we learn that is by stepping out and having to do it. And that is so scary to some people. But you and Seiko would not be who you are without collaboration.
1: Yeah. And I think I think the statement you and Seiko wouldn't be who you are is like, yes, obviously Seiko wouldn't exist. But I don't think, you know, there's just so much there's so much as humans <laughs> that we have to like work through in order to get to the other side and it just never ever feels good in the process and that's why so many people i think wave the white flag and say like it's too much i'm done yeah. like i don't want to i don't want to fail so loudly and in front of people i don't want to raise my hand and have to ask for help i don't want to embarrass myself i don't want to set a goal and then actually fail and i really do feel like 10 years in i'm like in a place where i'm like i would so much rather fail Nine times out of 10, but then get to experience what happens when you actually achieve. But then also, like, understanding that those nine times out of 10 weren't in vain. Like, those mm, nine times yeah. out of 10 actually helped me to become the person that I think God actually created me to be. And that was the tool that was used in
0: order to get me there. That's so good. And it's, this is why Liz, this is why I like looking back because you can't see that in the moment. You can't, you don't feel that in the moment and it doesn't feel like this, but when you are able to look back and go, okay, I remember what it felt like, but now I can say what's true about that moment. Then when it hits again, you have like this um, kind of this muscle memory to go, okay, I felt this before. Yep. I have been here before. And here's what I know to be true about this. And that's not just with like entrepreneurship. That's with relationships. That's with um, the, whatever job you work, school, parents, relate really, everything. It makes us go, I know what this feels like. And I know what is true. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I know I've come out
1: on the other side once, and I'm going to come out on the other side again. Like this is, I've, I've felt like everything was failing and this ship was sinking before. And you know, and this is why community is so important. I literally sat this past one. I meet with my ladies, my best, best friends every Wednesday night, no matter what, um, we share our lives and we're totally transparent. And I was sharing about something that I'm on. I am now on the other side of and, um, seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. And to hear my best friend sit around me and one of them just kind of stopped me and she goes, do you realize it was only like six weeks ago that we were sitting next door. We all live next door to each other. We're sitting in my living room and this conversation looked so different. Like, I know it seems like it's been a hard, long season, but it's only been like in six weeks. Look at like, look at what you've come through and look at your perspective. And to me, like, I couldn't have even done that. Like, because that six weeks where I'm having a complete meltdown breakdown in my best friend's living room felt like mm. 10 years ago. Yeah. You know, it's like I've yeah. been in this season and it's been so challenging. And where is the light? And the, to then have other people get to say, so like, good. look, oh, you've come out on the other side of that. And, like, and I know that, you know, given enough time, like, there's going to be a another example of being yep. in that same mm-hmm. moment and to your point, being able to have that memory of going like, okay, you were in that really dark place and now you're on the other side. Like there is light at the end of the tunnel. And then also being able to point other people to that as well. Yeah. too. And it's like, it's yeah. not, you know, we, I love the idea that it's like, I hope one of those women has the mental image of me having a complete breakdown in their living room to when they're having the breakdown in my living room being like, oh, I remember when Liz was in this really Liz dark said. place and then she came out of it and then we were yes. on the other side of it together and that's where yeah. I really believe the importance of, of community comes into play as well because we can we can remind one another of that.
0: I don't know about you guys, but schooling at home was quite an adjustment. I was trying to work, my kids were trying to do school, I'm trying to keep up with what their teachers are doing. It was really difficult and it's times like these that inspired me to check out Laurel Springs. Online learning might be new for your family, but Laurel Springs has been doing this for nearly 30 years. As the experts in online learning, Laurel Springs has the tools and the curriculum that your child needs to maintain their learning unhindered by whatever the future holds. Their flexible learning programs designed for students in kindergarten through 12th grade offer challenging and diverse courses. And Laurel Springs is accredited with the Western Association of Schools and Colleges Incognia, which means our transcripts are recognized by colleges and universities worldwide. Register your child at laurelsprings.com happyhour happy hour today and receive a waived registration fee. That's laurelsprings.com slash happy hour for your waived registration fee. laurelsprings.com happyhour happy hour. I love looking back on your past 10 years and thanks for your vulnerability and sharing with us about it. But what do you look forward to in 10 years? And I sometimes, honestly, I think looking forward, some, we assume it's easier for people, but sometimes it's not. And so I don't know how that is for you. I'm going to assume with what I know about you that looking forward is way easier than looking back. So tell me if I'm right or wrong. And then tell me, what are you looking forward to in the next 10 years?
1: I think looking forward is easier in the sense that I do it a lot more. Like I'm yeah. always thinking think about the future to because yeah. I have to. Yeah, I I think it can be difficult in the sense that it ignites um, a lot of fear. Like we fear the unknown. We I fear. I still fear setting new goals and setting new visions and setting new courses because you know, I've got that muscle memory, but it's like, ah, I'm still a human. And the idea of like failing or embarrassing myself or like putting myself in a position of um, need or risk is still actually really scary to me. Um, I just got, I'm I'm a little bit jaded because not jaded. I'm a little bit uh, biased because I just got home from a trip to Uganda where Mm -hmm. I got to take 14 of our top sellers. So our products are sold through Seiko fellows. So these are women that in their community, they are selling the product, they're styling their friends, they're earning an income um, off of the products that they're selling. So we're, we're building this amazing team in Uganda. We're also building this incredible team in the United States of, of women who are coming together and um, getting to see my two teams together, getting to see my Uganda production mm-hmm. yeah. team, and then getting to see my sales team and seeing the relationship and the joy and the connection um, I'm just like totally on fire. I'm on fire for, I mean, frankly, right now we're in a place where our, our Uganda team is just freaking rocking. Like they're just like our executive team over there. Just, they just run the show. They know what's up and they're really putting out the challenge to us. They're like, okay, we did our part. We built a best in class manufacturing company. We can handle a lot what do you got for us? Yeah. <laughs> like Really issuing the challenge here on the US side of things to um, kick it up and to grow the fellows program and to continue um, to welcome new women into our community over on this side. And so I would say when I think about the next 10 years, we have um, our founding fellows wall in Uganda, and it has the list of the first 500 fellows that ever joined us. Um, and it's this like cool, just this like beautiful visual of this like global team that we're creating and, uh, the idea of getting to grow that community so that we can grow the opportunity now, not just in Uganda, we work in Uganda, Ethiopia, Peru, India. So really seeing like the global impact that we as a community are able to have, um, has me on all sorts of of fire. And then I think, you know, really with the book, the process of the book was like how, I know, and I have this thing through Seiko that I'm like, hey, you want to make an impact in the world, but you're not quite sure how? Just come along and hang out with me. Like, we'll, we'll give you every step for how to find community and how to make this beautiful impact. Um, so I have that. And then I also recognize that. Um, there's everybody, and I don't care if you're a stay-at-home mom, if you're a doctor, if you're a graphic designer. Like I truly believe that each and every one of us were created on purpose and for a purpose, and helping to teach and walk alongside and encourage people and how to tap into that um, is is it a real passion of mine. and has developed really over the last like few years, and I think is going to be one of the guiding passions of my next ten years. Of like, okay, I have this journey. I've learned so much. A lot of what Beginner's Pluck is about is this, um, I think a lot of the messages that we're getting in our current culture about finding your passion and dreaming big are actually hurting us. Um, and they're creating a sense of anxiety and kind of this analysis paralysis. And so I just feel so passionate and on fire about helping demystify that for people um, and encourage encouraging them and equipping them to go out and build their own lives of purpose and passion and impact.
0: Well, I am on that train with you. So I am so excited for all the things you are doing. And it's been really fun for me to follow you these last couple of years and see Seiko grow and your book expand and reach to so many people. And I love what you guys are doing. I love everything you guys are creating and the mission you have. And so... It's fun to look back, Liz, and see, think about those days of you living in the car, brushing your teeth at McDonald's uh, (laughs) all the way to now. I will say getting
1: the first uh, breakfast sandwich off the line, you know, they're they're actually pretty good, if I'm being
0: honest. (laughs) Oh, there's the perks to that. Did you see that? This is totally random. Uh, Did you see that they have a McDonald's candle out now? no okay i should send you one i should send you one there it is uh liz thank you so much for sharing your last decade with us thanks jamie this is
1: such a blast i love this concept and love what you're doing in the world
0: Guys, if you want to hear more of Liz's story, go back and listen to her when she was on The Happy Hour, episode number 75. Also, if you're interested in reading her book, I highly recommend it. It's called Beginner's Pluck. You can find it anywhere books are sold. Also, to find out more information about Seiko, check them out online at seikodesigns.com. Thanks for listening to this special edition of the Happy Hour called Your Last Decade. I love these shows so much. Our hope in doing these shows is that as we reflect on our last decade with a guest that you too can reflect on your last decade, whether you were 23 years old, 65, 12, or 4, 10 years ago, look back and see what God has done in your life and where he has brought you. How have you persevered? How have you screwed up? What would you do differently? And what are you so stinking proud of you want to tell everyone about? Also, looking back, it always causes me to look forward. So what do you hope to see happen in your next decade? Today's show is edited by Chris with Podshaper and organized by Lindsay Sweeney. The music is developed for the show by Matt Graham and show notes are written by Aki Slockers.